Hi, everybody. Welcome back to our daily podcast, We Go For It. We're sharing stories and observations for the boldly aspiring. This podcast is brought to you by Norman and Advancing Life Projects. Let us help you advance your life project. In this podcast, we embark on a transformative exploration of personal growth and development in order to improve and enhance the results we're getting in whatever worthy endeavor we have seriously chosen and are committed to. Well, thanks for joining us on our 365-day Best Wishes for You series. This is episode 28. We're running a bit late here. And our wish of the day is, may you consistently enjoy meaningful work, significant relationships, and the ability to control your attitude and feelings in the face of what life hands you. You know, sometimes we come across thoughts that are so self-explanatory, I think, that little if any elaboration is really required. I feel this is one of those. Now, we might replace significant relationships with another word such as loving or meaningful or supportive, but I, I believe that the overall gist remains the same. So how about if we focus on one particular word from this wish for you, which is control. Let's talk about control. What do we mean by this? Well, when we talk about control, we can say it means to shape or guide the direction of something. In fact, it is the power to shape and guide our attitude that makes us human. And of course, when we talk about attitudes, we're talking about our thoughts, our feelings, and our actions. And the way to control our feelings and our actions, and by consequence, our results, is by controlling our thinking. That is that power that we've all been given and that we can develop as far and as deeply as we choose. You know, I've mentioned in previous episodes that verbs are very, very important. Getting things done is critical. I don't think anyone would disagree with me here. However, we must always keep in mind that thinking is also an activity. Thinking is an activity. When I say thinking as an activity, I don't mean daydreaming, well, or maybe, we'll look at that, perhaps daydreaming in a particular way, or just running old pictures through your head, or thinking about gossip, or the latest fad or fashion. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about thinking in a certain way. It's an activity, and it's a critical one. We can think, and we can choose our thoughts. And these are as much actions and just as dynamic as running and jumping, shooting a basket, or talking. And they are just as effective. So if we take into consideration, and if we choose to believe that thinking is as much an activity as any physical activity we can see, we place at our disposal a very powerful a very powerful tool, an asset, and more importantly, one that we can access 24-7 when we 
choose because your ability to think resides with you all the time. On the other hand, for example, if you wish to work out your body and you wish to lift weights, uh, increase your muscle tone, improve your muscle tone, improve your cardiovascular performance, that's great, you can do that, but you have to do it in a special place. You have to maybe go to a gym. You have, at the very least, you have to put on your running shoes and hit the street and go running. You have to move and go somewhere. When you wanna activate your thinking, and if you wanna practice your thinking and improve your thinking, you can do it wherever you are. You can do it sitting there right now on the tram, on the bus, in your car, wherever you are, you can already work your thinking. There were, I'm gonna give you two examples of how thinking is truly an activity. There was, this is one that I got from a, a book entitled Mastery. It's a really good book. It's a pretty small, thin book, and it, it really, I really enjoyed it because it was something that gave me another perspective on all the different kinds of intelligence that we have. And there was a case study in this book that talked about a group of, well, actually three groups of kids who were asked to, to improve their free shooting in basketball. And they divided this group of children into three subgroups of about 10 kids each, about more or less. Now, the first group was going to basically do nothing. They were just gonna, that one hour uh, every day, they were gonna sit there and just do nothing. They were neither going to visualize shooting baskets nor actually practice physically. The second group spent an hour shooting baskets, practicing, actually with a ball in their hands, shooting. And the third group was not gonna do the physical practice. They were gonna sit back, get comfortable, and visualize themselves hitting the baskets for one hour. After a certain period of time, they checked the results of these activities and if there had been any kind of improvement. And the first group that had done nothing did not improve. They were basically at the same percentage. The second group that had actually been shooting baskets physically improved by about 39%. And the third group that had not done the physical work but had done the visualization, the thinking as an activity work, they improved 37%. And it seems that the brain or the mind can't really tell the difference whether you are connecting your brain with your physical hands and eyes and legs, or if you're not and you're just focusing on yourself doing it, it cannot seem to tell the difference, which makes thinking a super, super important activity that you can access whenever you want to and benefit from it in order to improve whatever results you're trying to improve. But if you notice the example, the thinking is really targeted. These people actually were visualizing themselves shooting the basket. They could see the ball going into the net. They could, they could visualize themselves 
applying proper technique. So it was really targeted and I would imagine quite exhausting, perhaps just as exhausting as actually doing it physically. Thinking is an activity. I'll give you a second example. A second example is very personal to me and it was my experience learning Spanish. I learned Spanish as a second language when I was 15 years old. My mom and dad were from Ecuador in South America. They're having some real serious political problems there now, but that's another story. And they emigrated to the States back in the 50s. I was born in New York, uh, bred, born and bred, <laughs> and uh, grew up an American. We did not speak Spanish at home because my mom and dad wanted us to integrate and they also wanted to find work and to move ahead. So 15 years later, when my mom decided that she was going to move back to Ecuador, for us, it was moving to a foreign country. So we moved. It was a, a, an enlightening experience, a difficult experience at the same time. And we moved to Ecuador. And I went to high school. I was placed in high school in Spanish. So I had to navigate the subjects in Spanish at the age of 15 and I really had to work very hard just to try and maybe pass some exams. It was very difficult. I did a lot of memorization. I memorized a lot of words. I, I just, I, I memorized and vomited, you know, just get the, whatever I could remember on the page. I used little tricks. I, I used keys to try and remember if, I, if this word would trigger these sentences didn't know what they were, what they meant. But over time, I began to, of course, learn some Spanish. I never took lessons. I was learning on the go. And it reached the point when I was about, I would say I was already 16 going on 17. I'd been there. It was my second year there. And I could speak. I was able to express myself pretty well. But I was very slow. And I was, I don't know, I was still translating which means that I was wasting precious moments trying to find the right word. And when you're a teenager in the very fast-paced conversations among kids and trying to impress the girls and trying to, you know, find your place in the group, etc., etc., those milliseconds of delay can really have a, very, have a big impact in a negative way. You're always late in the conversation. So essentially, I thought to myself, well, what am I going to do? I'm always late. It's just not working. I'm not, the translation thing is not working for me. So I decided that I was going to start to think in English. I decided to think in English and I started to do it. I started to talk to myself. Uh, I would, I would speak about whatever to myself, whatever I was doing, brushing my teeth, making the bed, have, making my breakfast. This took place, now this is important, this took place only when I was alone. I would be in my room and I would think in English, I would be walking to school on my own, I would be thinking, uh, sorry, thinking in Spanish, and I would be thinking in Spanish the whole time. And whenever I was alone, when I was with my family, I spoke in English. When I was at school, I was quiet, <laughs> just basically listening. So I really didn't practice anymore in terms of physically speaking, but I did an enormous amount of practice mentally. I thought a lot in Spanish. And what I found to be so 
earth-shattering was that a few months later, I began to speak more fluidly. I began to come up with sentences that I, I didn't, that didn't have to pass through my conscious mind anymore. They went straight from my subconscious, they were embedded, and out they came. And it was such a powerful feeling. For the first time in about three years, I felt that, I, when, I, that when I was communicating with my peers, with my fellow students, I was actually starting to demonstrate who I was. And this activity, quote-unquote activity, had an enormous impact. So yeah, thinking, thinking is a very powerful activity. And the fact that you're carrying your brain with you wherever you go, that you can switch on and you can choose your thinking no matter where you are, no matter what is going on in your life, that gives you the opportunity to practice your thinking every day consistently and that type of activity and I do use the word practice because remember as I've mentioned in other episodes you are good at what you do the good and the bad because you've practiced it so much so going back to our quote I thought that it would be important to take a good look at this concept of control and should you ever doubt that you have control over your results, over your life, take a step back and remember that you can think. Now, of course, these two experiences I talked about, the basketball uh, case study and my own experience, of course, they both had to be validated in the real world. You know, okay, you've been visualizing for a month, shooting baskets? Okay, now go shoot a basket. Norman, you've been thinking in, in, in Spanish for three, four months, and, you, and, and uh, you've been thinking only in Spanish, and, and you've immersed yourself in it on your own. Okay, let's go. Go talk. W what are you able to do? Of course, they had to be validated in the external environment where we interact. But the work, the practice, was accomplished in our marvelous minds. And both were game changers. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would love for you to subscribe or sign into our podcast to stay updated on our latest episodes. And please remember to follow us on social media for more content. As we part ways, I share my sincere wish with you. And that wish is, may you consistently enjoy meaningful work, significant relationships, and the ability to control your attitude and feelings in the face of what life hands you. Until next time, take care, be kind to yourselves and each other, and remember that ultimately, you hold the key. Thank you.